Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's interesting that those who are in need go to here the temple or now they might come to the church to find help. Oftentimes if I was at the church office or something, they, there would be people constantly coming to the door saying, my family is in need, I have need of this. And I thought, well, when did that start? When did people start doing that? You know, why don't they go to, you know, Walmart or Target or Starbucks or, you know, they come to the church to find their needs met. And throughout the scripture, God has been concerned about the poor. In Leviticus, he gave some instructions for those when they went through the fields, they were to leave the corners and not to go back if they dropped anything. But those corners of the field, the ends of the field and whatever they dropped were left for the poor. That was kind of God's taking care of them, keeping them in mind. In Proverbs 19:17, it says, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Deuteronomy 15:11, it says, there will always be poor in the land, therefore I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. And that's what Jesus quoted from, the poor you will have with you always. But God has always had this concern. And so throughout history, there has been an awareness that God is concerned with those who are in need. And this man was aware of that, and so he picked a good spot. He went to the temple gate. This is a great place. Why? Because God has opened his heart to the poor, to those who are in need. And so I'm going to sit here and allow those people to have that opportunity to give. And what is your perception? How do you feel when you see someone who is in need? What's your reaction? You know, the people who are at the end of the freeway and they have the sign, will work for food, or pushing the shopping cart filled with all their belongings and this is all they have. And what are your thoughts when you see someone like that? And truthfully, my thoughts vary. Sometimes I look and I say, oh man, 
And my heart goes out to these people. And sometimes I'm thinking, I wonder if they're just trying to rip people off too lazy to go to work. Okay, that's me. I don't know what you guys think. I'm just being honest. I think those things. Sometimes I think, hey, he could get a job. He looks healthy enough. But then sometimes I see someone and I see a, maybe a lady and, or someone who has a, you know, is crippled in some way. And I think, oh, gosh. And my heart is moved out to them. Well, understand that God's heart is moved out towards the poor. That he is concerned with those our needs. And what the disciples here are doing are continuing what Jesus did. Remember, the whole idea of the book of Acts is the baton has been passed and now God's work is continuing through his disciples. In World War II, there was in France, a small village in France where they were bombed from Nazi Germany. And as the war was over and they were cleaning up the debris and the rubble, one church that had been hit pretty hard was cleaning up. And as they were going through the rubble, they came across a statue that they had had in the front of their church of Jesus. It was a six-foot statue. And at the bottom was an inscription, come to me, all you who are weary. And as they pulled the debris apart, they got the statue. And the, the statue was perfectly intact except for the hands. The hands were broken off. And when the craftsman who actually did the work on the statue found out, he went to the pastor of that church and he said, hey, I will repair that for you. I'd be happy to fix that to you. But the pastor said, no, I think we're going to leave it like this. And we're going to change the inscription and the body. And so they changed the bottom and it said in the bottom, he has no hands on earth but ours. We are his body. And the idea now is that we are to do the work that God has. Now, what's interesting about this story is the gate beautiful, this man, it says, was there daily. And he had been this way since the time he was born. We know he wasn't a kid, so every day for years he had been sitting at this gate. We don't know exactly. It starts off one day Peter and John were going up to the temple. We don't know which day this is after the last chapter, after Pentecost and all had taken place. We don't know if it was immediately the next day or if it's a week later. But most likely they had gone through this gate before. And even more interesting is Jesus himself had gone through this gate before and had probably seen this man there at this gate and Jesus had gone in and out. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Well, because his hands were going to do it later. And I trip out and wonder. I wonder what Jesus knew. And of course, God knew. And I wonder if Jesus, walking through with his heart of compassion, saw this man and just kind of smiled and said, Oh, your day's coming. Just hang in there. My kids will take care of you. And you see what a joy it is to be a part of the work of God. And see, Jesus didn't need to touch this man because his disciples were going to. And do we understand that about ourselves? We think, oh, God, touch this person. Oh, God, reach out to this person. And God is saying, okay, how do you suppose I should do that? Oh, Lord, send someone. 
hmm, wonder who I should send. Send someone qualified, Lord, someone competent, someone who who's just whose hearts move towards them. Hmm, wonder who I can get for that. I don't know, Lord, but I'm sure you can find someone. The game's on right now. I'll see you later. And we miss opportunities because we think God is going to do this another way, not recognizing the way he wants to work is through us. That we have the privilege to be his hands and to do his work. And that opportunity is before us. How do you know who, who, who's in need? Because there are times when the needs are so many. And we know that even Jesus at, at some times like this man here and also at the pool of Bethsaida. Remember the man who was crippled who needed someone to put them in the water? In John chapter 8, it says that there was a crowd of people who were crippled and in need. But Jesus didn't go up to all of them and he just went kind of quietly up to this one guy. Why him? You see, if I were God, and aren't you all feeling glad right now that I'm not? If I were Jesus, I'd think, well, okay, watch this. I'd go up to the front and I'd say, okay, all of you, and you're all healed, you know, and I'd just... Let's have this grand party here. You're all healed. Jesus just went up to this one guy. Why him? Why not all of them, God? Why not all of them? I don't know. If you're waiting for an answer, I I don't know why not. But I know this, that Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. I only do what my Father tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say. And it wasn't his job to meet every need, but to be obedient where God would lead. Hey, like that. It's not just the need, it's where God leads. Because you will be overwhelmed with the needs that are there. You cannot meet all of them. But you need to meet some of them. Okay then, which ones? How how do we know? Ah, That's the key. How do I know which needs to meet? How do I know what person I need to pray for? How do I know which person I should give to? How do I know what I should do? There's the important piece. And I love how God does not just give us instruction without a connection of relationship. God doesn't just say, if you do this, 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 and this, they'll be healed. If you do this, this, and this, everyone's needs will be met. If you do this, it's not a blanket, just one, two, three. It has to do with paying attention and being in this relationship. You have to listen and be led by God. I love how it says that they're, they looked on him. And, and something took, took, took place as Peter and John saw him. I love the New American Standard. It says they fixed their gaze on him. Something clicked. And you guys have felt something like this before. Sometimes you'll see someone and all of a sudden your heart is just drawn into the situation. Other times it's not. Sometimes it's just powerful. It moves on you. And there's this feeling and sense, I need to do something. And you do. 
And it's when that spirit connects to you and says, look, and fixes your gaze and God connects you to this situation. But you have to be connected already. See, Peter said, I don't, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I'll give to you. What did he have? In the name of Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's the key. You have to have something to give something. What do you have? Are you connected to the relationship? Can you hear God's voice so that when your gaze is fixed, you know, oh, now I'm supposed to do this. Relationships, they're so difficult, aren't they? I mean, it just takes so much work. Have you ever, I know, I'm sure you guys haven't, but maybe some of you have where you've been watching the basketball game, but your wife wants to talk to you because something's heavy on her heart, but it's a championship game. And so she's talking to you and you're, uh-huh. She's in, you know, hon, I really think that we need to spend just more time praying together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And also, you know, I really want to, you know, go spend the week over at my grandmother's house. You know, the whole family. Yes! Uh, oh, I mean, no. You know, it's like, if you're not paying attention, you're going to get yourself in trouble. There's a conversation taking place here, but I'm distracted with these things here. And you can make a big mistake if you're not paying attention. And I've been busted with this a few times where my wife says, are you listening to me? And I, I think I am. What did you say? You know, it's like... <laughs> And you have to realize, wow, I really need to be attentive if this is going to work. If I'm going to develop my relationship with my wife, I have to listen. When she's talking to me about something important, i got to tune the game out, not her. Trust me, that's the better option. (laughs) If any of you guys are thinking about that, take, take door number B. And the same is true in our relationship with God. You need to pay attention. Notice where they were going. They're going to the temple, what? To pray. We'd already seen that they'd been in times of prayer. They were continuing in the apostles' teaching and breaking of bed, fellowship, and in prayer. This was something that was a part of their life already. And they were going to pray. So there is already this preparation in their heart. There's this development of their relationship with God. It was a priority. It wasn't secondary. It wasn't something that was on the back shelf. This was something that was important to them. They were going to the temple to pray. And I submit to you that if you want to see God work in your life, you need to be committed to the relationship and attentive to it so that he can, when he speaks to you, you understand and you're answering. Because if you're distracted and he says, oh, right there, right there, you'll walk right by it because you're not paying attention. You're not connected in the relationship. You're busy about so many things. Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better. But I got to take care of this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, you know, I've got to get this done before the deadline. I've got to do this. Well, are you making time to pray? To spend time with God? Oh, the faith they must have had. How did they have? I mean, what was Peter thinking? 
when he locked eyes with this guy. And he saw this, and, and whatever that connection that made him say, I don't have silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then he picks the guy up. I would be freaked out right there. I wouldn't let go. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, is this going to work? Is this really going to happen? He had faith in God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans tells us. Jesus was working in his heart because he was spending time. Remember, they were spending time continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, fellowship, and prayer. He was connected to the source. He was prepared so when the time came, he knew what to do. And the same thing is true with us. We want the easy way out. I'd love to see a miracle, God. Okay, you need to be devoted to me in prayer. You need to have faith, so you need to spend time in the Scripture. You need to have connection with one another, building each other up. Well, I don't don't really want to just do all that stuff. Can't I just... Do the miracle stuff? No, it doesn't work that way. I want to have a great relationship with my wife. I just, I want our marriage to be the best it can be. But if I'm never spending time with her, it ain't going to happen. And she'll let me know. It's not happening. You're somewhere else. Your, your heart isn't here right now. have to be connected and so they were prepared for when the event came they knew not only were they prepared but they were empowered we saw that in the second chapter the spirit came upon them jesus told them wait in jerusalem the spirit will come upon you and he will do you with power you need the power Not only do you need the preparation and the connection with God to hear, but you need God's power to do it. He didn't say, okay, stand back, everybody. I'm going to show you something. He didn't wave his hands. He says, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. What did he have? He had Jesus Christ. Jesus did the work. And later on, he goes on and says, why do you marvel? As if some means I did this. Know that at the name of Jesus Christ and faith in his name, this man is whole before you. It wasn't me. He was empowered by God to do the work and to have that opportunity to work. It's interesting, too, because there was a discernment there. And we need discernment. He didn't give him silver and gold. Now, sometimes people, you see a need, and that's what you're supposed to do. Give him a 10, give him a 20, give him a dollar. But sometimes you're not supposed to. There has to be an understanding of what's going on with this person and you have to be able to, again, be attached to the situation. Because you don't just give money to everybody. That's not what this is about. And it doesn't mean don't give money to anybody. That's not what this is about either. But he read the situation. He had discernment. He didn't give him what he asked for. He gave him what he needed. Do we know what people need? Because sometimes what people need isn't what they're asking for. Those of you who have kids, maybe that rings true with you. Kids ask for a lot of things. Depends on how old they are, what they ask for. 
be a PlayStation, it can be Xbox, it can be a car, depending on the age of your kid. And just say no. No, no, I just... <laughs> I heard that slogan one time, I just, it stuck. Uh, I don't know, son, just say no, that's what I think. How do you know what to give them? Well, you have to be connected. If I give you this car, I will regret it. <laughs> if I give you this, this could be beneficial. This, I want to give you this. This will be good for you. This might not be good for you. You got to read the situation. They read the situation. They were discerning. They looked at him and they gave them what they needed. And sometimes that's what we need to do is see what people need and give them that. But it is God's desire to give something to those that he prompts upon our hearts. Not only were they empowered, but they also had the authorization. God said, now. All the other times, nope, nope. All the other people, nope, nope, nope. This time, now. Power and the authorization. You you, you need them both. There's a Ferrari that lives around here. (laughs) I don't know about the people, but the Ferrari lives around here. It it goes up and down Euclid every now and then. It's a red one. And I I was next to it one day. And if I start drooling, just slap me, okay? It just sounds awesome. Perfect. Just, it just rumbles. I mean, it just kind of, this power. And we were coming down Euclid to Foothill, and, and the red light hit, and you know what? Right there at that red light, I was just as equal with that Ferrari and my four cylinder truck. We both had to stop. You see, he couldn't go because the light said no. Boy, I'm full of slogans today. <laughs> he couldn't go. He, he had to stay at that light because if he would have went, he would have got cream. The car would have broadsided him a bus, whatever. He can't go. He doesn't have the authorization. But he does have the power. You see, the disciples had the power, but they need the authorization as well. God has to say, okay, go. The light has to go on and say this one. Do this. And the reverse is true, too. You can have the authorization. The light can turn green, because it did. And my truck didn't quite keep up with the Ferrari after the light turned green. You know, there I go. Mm, There he goes, you know. I was like, oh, man, that sounds good. You need them both. You need the power and the authorization to do the work. So that when the light turns green, you are able to go. You are able to step on it. You are able to move. You are able to do what God has put before you to do. And so there has to be that preparation. You have to be in prayer. You have to be filled with the Spirit. You have to know God's heart, God's mind. And then when the opportunity comes, you have to have the power to be able to move in that opportunity. And gosh, how many situations come into our lives where they catch us off guard? where you weren't expecting that. If I would have known 
How could I know? I don't know everything. How You just need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. People who are involved with work or uh, sports. You know, people go into a fire. The firemen, they go into the fire. You know, they have to be prepared. They have to have all the right equipment. They have to be in shape. They don't just sit there and eat donuts all day and do nothing, watch TV, and then the fire comes in. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta run up the stairs. <sighs> okay, gotta take a break now. No, you gotta be prepared because when time calls, you've gotta go. The same thing with sports. Someone asked Carl Ripken, the Iron Man of baseball, said, "How oh, man, you have such a natural swing." And he says, "Well, it took years to develop that natural swing." You don't just have it. You work, you work, you work, and it becomes a part of what you do. You have to prepare. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the future. I don't know what things are going to happen. And we've all been blindsided, haven't we, with situations. We think, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, if you would have been praying and fasting, it might have been a lot more clearer than it is right now. And then it happens and you're like, well, what's going on? I need to pray. You needed to pray. Because now the situation is before you. Now the guy's looking at you and he's asking for money. His kids are looking at you and they're asking for an answer. Whatever the situation, are you going to be able to look and fix your gaze and say, I know what God wants to do right now. I don't have silver and gold, but I do have something. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Take him up and have the faith to say, you can do this. God is doing something. I heard his voice. I am at work and he's at work in me. Now I can do this. Why? Because I'm prepared. I'm empowered. And he said, go. We just want to go. And we don't prepare. We don't wait on the Spirit for the power. And sometimes we miss the go. And we wonder, why is my, my Christian life just so boring? This is um, what's going on. feel like I'm missing out. You probably are if you're not prepared and if you're not empowered. You're probably missing out on a lot. These guys had an exciting life. An exciting life. There is an incredible life waiting for you, for me. Filled with opportunities, filled with situations that will be able to empower us to do and represent Jesus Christ. But we have to prepare. We have to be ready when those times come. Seizing that moment. I want to end with a story. There is on a train, there was a, a young lieutenant. Next to him, Kind of riding him pretty hard was his general, crusty old general. Across from him was a beautiful young single lady, and next to her was her crusty old grandmother, or just her grandmother, okay? She doesn't. Have to be. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And this young lieutenant and the young lady had struck up a conversation. There was a definite attraction. And as the hours went by, they were laughing, having a great time, and definitely enjoying each other's company in spite of the two people next to them who were just glaring at each other. And all of a sudden, they they came into a tunnel, and it went dark. It was a long tunnel. In the middle of this dark tunnel, all of a sudden, you could hear the smack of a kiss. And then you heard the smack of someone's hand on the face. And they got through the tunnel, and everyone's face had a different reaction. The young girl was delighted that this lieutenant had kissed her because she was infatuated with him. But she was angry at her grandmother for slapping him. (laughs) The grandmother was appalled that this young man would kiss her granddaughter. But she was happy that the general had slapped him, put him in his place. The general was bewildered. He... He thought that was a brave thing for the lieutenant to kiss this girl, but he doesn't know why the girl slapped him. All of you are thinking right now what's going on. And the lieutenant was beside himself, almost laughing, as he kissed the girl and then slapped the general. He seized the moment. (laughs) He had this opportunity to make something happen and he made it happen in that moment of time. You know, there will come a time when you need to kiss the girl. When we need to kiss our community with the love of Jesus Christ. And it will only last so long when you go through that tunnel. It'll happen and then it'll be over with. There'll be a time when you're able to to kiss a member of your family with the love of Christ, the goodness of God, and it'll happen and there's that moment, there's that opportunity and if you're not prepared, if you're not ready to walk through and empowered to step through that moment, you'll miss the opportunity. There's also going to be an opportunity when you got to smack those things that just need to be put down. There comes a moment where we have to step into that moment. The disciples were ready and they stepped into this moment and what a powerful moment it was. God wants to do so much in our lives, through our lives. God wants to heal. God wants to mend God wants to work. Are we ready for that work? Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you would give us hearts that would desire you above all the distractions around us. Lord, that we would seize the opportunities that are before us by preparing our lives with you, by waiting upon your spirit to empower us and fill us, and by looking for those opportunities when you say go. Lord, might we be ready that we would not miss an opportunity 
to represent you, to give you to others, to reach out to those who are in need, to show your heart, to extend your love to those. Maybe it'll be praying for someone. Maybe it'll be giving money. Maybe, Lord, I don't know. We have to wait on you. We have to have that connection with you to hear your voice when you say, hear this one now. Do this. I pray we would do just that, God, that we would desire those things in our lives, that we would hunger and thirst after your righteousness, what is right, that we would wait on you, that we would thirst after you as a deer thirsts for water. Lord, you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled God you want to fill us you want to use us we are your hands we are your body work through us we pray may you change the lives of those around us because of the work you're doing in us thank you Lord for your faithfulness for your word Pray you be honored and glorified here within our lives in Jesus' name.